This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are coming to you live this morning from Carmel of Mary Monastery in Wapaton, North Dakota. We just had a wonderful conversation with the Carmelite sisters here. And uh, we, we did get one more comment. A uh, listener called in and said, the sisters did a beautiful job. They sure did, didn't they, Steve? Absolutely. What a <laughs> blessing to be here with them today. And if you want to uh, stop by anytime, folks, uh, it's just a, a short uh, jaunt south of Fargo here, uh, just outside of Wapaton. And uh, stop in, and the grounds, right now it's winter, so the grounds are just white like everywhere else. But in the <laughs> summer, the grounds here are gloriously beautiful. The chapel is here. The sisters uh, have their regular prayers that you can stop in and, and visit. a day. Just take a day away, a little retreat. They also have a little retreat house here on campus that you can call in and reserve for yourself if you want to get away for a little retreat. So uh, give them a shout at carmelofmary at gmail.com, and that is Carmel. Of Mary, not like the candy. There's not caramel, but caramel, <laughs> C-A-R-M-E-L of Mary at gmail.com. Our next guest is on the line, but and we'll get to him in just a moment. But first, did you know one of the ways you can listen to RPR is via our app? If you don't have it, you can head to the app store on your phone and search for Real Presence Radio. And once you have it, you can listen to the great daily programming like Real Presence Live here this morning and find the daily podcasts if you happen to miss a show, reflect on the daily mass readings, submit a prayer request, and even become a part of the family if the Lord is calling you to donate. So take a moment and download our app as we prepare to head into our next interview with Dr. Mario Sacasa. Good morning, Dr. Mario. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Oh, we are doing great. Uh, great day to be here with the Lord. We're actually we're actually sitting literally in the chapel here in yes. front of our Lord. I've never broadcast um, wow. in front of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, but what a great reminder to be with our Lord always, huh? Yeah, amen, amen. Now, you guys were saying that you have snow on the ground up there in, uh, in uh, South Dakota or in Fargo, that area. But, uh, but down in New Orleans, we don't got any of that. So, uh, so no snow for me yet. You want us to mail you some? <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead and put it in a Tupperware. We'll see if it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be water by the time it gets to you. We'd love to give you some of our snow. But, uh, yeah, that's how it works. I guess that's our gift. It's our charism. Snow is our charism. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everybody's got their thing. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's talk a little bit about... Toxic masculinity, Dr. Sakasa. Um, you know, it's a term that's thrown out there, and I think sometimes us men, sometimes somebody just throws out a little phrase about, yeah, you toxic males. We're like, oh, okay, okay, well, we'll just be quiet now. Um, but how do, we, how do we deal with that in the world today? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So, yeah, so the term itself actually has been around for, for a little bit longer than, than, we, than we think. It's been around, you know, probably since the 80s or 90s, and it's kind of been used as this kind of casual term for, uh, unfortunately, the, the negative aspects of, of the, the male disposition. Now, in the last couple years here, it's gained in popularity in direct response to the Me Too movement. And so, like, the Me Too movement has been good in the sense that, like, with Hollywood specifically, I mean, we've known kind of collectively there's been sexual assault of women and harassment of women in, in college campuses, that those things are, are, are real and that they should be uh, stopped. Uh, men should be better in the way that they treat their sisters and not just looking at them as sexual objects or, or possessions for gain. Um, and so in, in some regard, there's a place where it's called men to, to be more virtuous uh, by, by, by holding them more accountable for their actions. But uh, the problem becomes when, when the term toxic masculinity is used uh, a little too globally 
and not just towards uh, what could be toxic aspects of, of, of a man uh, in his, you know, overly sexual paralysis, but, but when it becomes kind of a more global term that's used generally that all masculinity is toxic or, or all aggressiveness is toxic or all assertiveness is toxic, and, and when it crosses that line, that's when it becomes problematic. Uh, because then what happens is kind of like you said, we then think, well, am, am I wrong for, for having uh, an opinion? Am I wrong for, for wanting to go do something? Am I wrong for having initiative? Is that toxic? No, no, those things aren't toxic. Um, those things just require virtue and channeling of those energies to, towards a, a good and, and the proper end. Well, I think what happens is men then feel like they're supposed to become not men anymore, right? And so we're supposed to yeah, take on so our, it, the male attribute you know, goes so away. We're, we're, yeah, yeah, they are. We're, we're seeing the effects of that even even when it trickles down to, like, even dating, for example. You know, so studies have shown now that, like, you know, 30 years ago, it was okay, and women would go to bars, and men would go to bars, and that would be a place where, where we could meet. Um, but now, it, it, because of so much fear and engagement, it's like you can't even go into social settings uh, and, and be perceived as, as, as having good intentions. You know, that's always kind of viewed as creepy. Or, or how am I supposed to talk to a girl if she thinks that even me initiating is going to is going to lead to uh, <laughs> to some uh, something negative? You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think a lot of guys, you're right, are just kind of kind of stepping back and, and taking the passive role, uh, which isn't the answer either, right? I mean, like becoming more passive isn't isn't what we need, you know, in today's day and age. So, you know, Dr. Sakasa, would you say that? Uh our, our culture doesn't even want men to be men, but but rather would rather uh, maybe feminize them and, and not see masculinity in its true form, which is virtue, which is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I would go as far as to say that the culture doesn't want women to be women either, right? I think the culture mm-hmm. wants confusion on both sides. And so I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, I have four boys, and uh, the, the 15 to 5, my four sons, I love them dearly. And as soon as I tell somebody that I have four, four boys, the first thing that comes out is, oh, praise God that you don't have any women. You don't have any girls. You know, and they'll be like, you're so grateful you don't have any girls. And I say, well, why is that? Because girls are so complex and they're so emotional and they're so needy. You know, and so I've, I've, we've heard this statement repeatedly every time I tell somebody we have four boys. And I hear that, and I'm like, man, you know, that, that statement is incredibly misogynistic. It's like the beauty and the complexity that is a woman, we want to stifle and we want to, we want to make it easy to put into a box but then similarly with men in this fits into what we're talking about the the aggressiveness the assertiveness the the, the mission focus that men have we want to neuter that and make them docile and these so so we want to take the the parts of men and women that we don't have control over and we want to try to control it and make it simple and easy for us and, and yeah. what we do is we end up getting a bland version of relationships and, and a bland version of what it means to be a person so looking at masculinity in its true form, then, Dr. Sakasa, you know, how, is, how is it a good thing for our society? How are men being true men really going to help turn our culture back in the right direction? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that, like, one, we have to be men of prayer, first and foremost. We have to be men who know what it means to be in relationship with our Heavenly Father who loves us dearly. And so we have to be... We have to be sons first and foremost in, in knowing what it means to be loved by our Father. But then when we are loved by our Father, we are invited into a particular mission of life. And every single one of us has a, has a part of the vineyard that we have to kind of step into, and we have to kind of, we have to weed, and we have to remove the rocks, and we have to till the soil, whatever that is. Every, everybody has a particular mission. 
And so out of obedience of faith, out of, out of responding to that love that God has for us, we need to step into those places and bring His presence and His grace into that. And so that does require virtue, that requires fortitude specifically, that requires courage, that requires perseverance, that requires all, all of those virtues that, that we need to, to develop inside of us so that we can then bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. If you're just joining us, this is Real Presence Live, and we're visiting with Dr. Mario Sacasa. Um, we're talking about masculinity and what true masculinity is versus what toxic masculinity is. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to try to sound really smart, Dr. Mario, right now. So, uh, you know, the uh, my Latin. I've been trying back... to start smart the whole time, so we're good. So here we go. This, <laughs> this is my this is my stab at it. Uh, you know, so I, my Latin background tells me that the the root word of virtue is vir v i r, which is actually the Latin word for man. Um, and then we take the word virtue. So really, at the root of masculinity is virtue but how do we strive for virtue what what do we know about virtue well we know that even from a psychological perspective those who are more virtuous are are people who are generally just happier in life and we think about why well because happiness is about having a sense of integration with our value set and what we operate out of that and so when when i'm working in the habits and the things that i do are in alignment with the man that I want to be or the person that I'm striving to be, that's how we would define happiness. And so I think that that for, for men in particular, we have so much confusion about what it means and so much apology for our, 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 our mishaps, you know? And I'm not saying that we need to be aggressive and beating people up and, you know, turning this into fight club. I mean, I'm not saying that at all. But, but what I am saying is that there is a point where, like, if you don't, stand up for what's right, if men aren't filling the gap in, in, in actually doing the things you're supposed to do, then who will, right? Who will? And when we don't stand in the gap, when we don't, when we don't uh, like stand up for the truth in, in life, then, then passivity kind of falls in, and with passivity leads to resentment, and then obviously leads to, 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 to evil kind of getting a pass, and I think some of that is what we're kind of seeing as, as a culture. I think it's interesting, and all the studies you know bear this out that that we as fathers um, have a huge impact not only on our sons but also on our daughters in our lives, and uh, we can kind of guess us men can be spiritually lazy. Um, I think, and 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 wh- what do you think leads to that? Um, and, and what are some things to be reminded of that can move us out of that uh, spiritual sloth? Yeah, honestly, I think it comes down to just priority, and I think for a lot of us, we don't be uh, taking time for rest, taking time for leisure, or just to be honestly taking time for prayer as being an incredibly practical thing. And men, we, we're, we're doers, and so we, we often gauge what we do throughout the day by how practical it's going to be or how much of a reward it's going to... What, what's the dividend? What's the return of my investment on this? You know, what am I going to get out of this? And, and so there's a place where, yeah, we want to we work hard, we want to do things, but sometimes we just don't see... Uh, our spiritual lives as being this thing that's practical. Now, it could be that we don't see it as practical, or it could also be that we just don't see concretely how, how it makes sense. And it being too nebulous, it's a problem that we can't solve. And when we don't have problems that we can't solve, you know, we just don't want to engage in those things. So, so I think it's, it's both of those, this recognition that, that there's a mystery in it, but that we have to be able to see that in relationships, that becomes the most practical thing possible. You know, falling in love with God, staying in love with Him determines kind of who we are in our actions and what we do. And so I think we need to shift the narrative a little bit. And we need to be able to see that being a good Christian man 
um, is is not against your masculinity, and it's not against your independence, and it's not against your your individuality, but rather is the fulfillment of those things. And so I think that's what men need to be need to see and recognize is that by giving our lives to Christ, we actually become more of the man that we're called to be, not less of it. Um, and so we have to we have to kind of shift that narrative there. There's so many directions to go with what you just said, Dr. Sakasa, but <clears throat> I, I want to try this. So we, we're, we're here at Carmel of Mary Monastery in, in Wapaton, North Dakota, and we've been visiting with these cloistered Carmelite nuns. Uh, and Mother Madonna shared with us that her prayer life is often dry, that, that, some, that she experiences consolation, but many times, um, you know, it's dry. She doesn't experience a lot of consolation. We know Mother Teresa also went through that. But one of the words you stuck out to me when you were talking about a virtuous man was perseverance. So how do those two tie mm-hmm. together between persevering and prayer, even though we may not always get something out of it, per se? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right on it. So so when you experience dryness, and again, dryness in the spiritual life is not the same thing that Mother Teresa experienced. There, there, there are various degrees there. What Mother Teresa experienced was a, was a very unique version of the dark night of the soul. And even among the saints, what she experienced was something, was something unique. So we always want to make sure that we, we classify that correctly. But, but dryness, in terms of our spiritual life, is something that we all experience. We all have moments of, of spiritual discouragement. Uh, we all have, have moments where, where we're, we're doing our prayers, we're being faithful, we're doing what God's asking us to do. But it feels like, you know, something's wrong with the radio or, or the, the cell phone. It's like, I'm, 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 I'm giving the call, but, but I can't hear the response. Um, and part of that is just a normal aspect of the spiritual life. And, and why God does that? Well, I mean, listen, who, who can speak for God, right? So, like, why God does what he does, it's, it's, it's within his will. But what spiritual theologians have at least kind of postulated as reasons why is, is one, it's a test of perseverance for us, like you spoke about. But it could also be that God is allowing this dryness to, to allow us to grow in virtue with, with, with discipline. But then maybe there's something else that God is trying to reveal within us that, that, that we need to kind of spend a little bit of time reflecting on it, and that the dryness is allowing certain narratives to kind of emerge within ourselves that we can take some time to, to reflect on it to help us within our growth. So suffering has its place in the spiritual life, and even spiritual discouragement or, or spiritual dryness doesn't mean we should just abandon shit. Um, so, but I would just I would just say this, listen, honestly, like to, to any of the listeners, I'm, we're speaking generally here. If somebody's experiencing that, particularly, the best place to go is to meet with a spiritual director and to have a conversation with somebody about why God would be allowing that dryness to, to be emerging in their life. But but to the point that you, but to the point that you're making though is is right is that like we have to be able to see that that there is a discipline that is required in our spiritual life, in as much as we see that discipline in, in physical activities that we do as well. If you're just joining us again, we're visiting with Dr. Mario Sacasa, and we're talking about manhood, true manhood. And let's talk about this. We, sometimes for many of us, we just have to make it really simple for, for us guys, mm-hmm. right? I mean, a, a life of virtue is just like sister was talking about before when we, we discern a vocation. It's taking that one step forward in courage. And for many of us men, you know, just a step forward in even what? Sobriety? Uh, yeah. in, in contr- self-control of what we eat, what we watch on TV. It, it, that's the first step, right? Let's talk about first steps because, you know, sometimes it's like, well, yeah, way into the virtue and I'm going to work on being prudent. I'm going to be impatient. I'm going to be patient yeah. and I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be self-giving. Well, some of us just need to stop drinking too much, right? 
I mean, let's let's yeah, talk about yeah. basic steps. So, so I, I think even even before we even get to steps, I think we need to always have the end in mind, and 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 that's something that Jim Collins, who, who wrote about business leadership in the book Good to Great, that's one of his advice to business leaders is to always start with the end in mind. And I think we can we can apply that statement even here, which is to say then what what are our goals in life? So we can say certainly the biggest goals we want to be a thing. Okay, awesome. Well, well, now we can backtrack and say what are the behaviors and strategies that you do to accomplish that. But even less than that, let's let's let, let's kind of take other things. So I'll talk about this in the in the conference when I'm up there with you guys in a few weeks, which I'm really excited about being up there uh, in Rapid City for for the men's conference that's coming up on, on March 14th. But I'll say this. So, so for me, a big goal in my life is that I ran my first marathon last week, right, which was just nuts. But, but what it did is that having that goal there, and I took six months of training, it reordered everything underneath that. So when I did my training, what I ate, you know, when I slept, everything was trying to fit within this goal of being successful in, at doing this, this, this marathon. And, and, and so I think the question that we have to ask ourselves as men is what are our goals in life? You know, do we have goals that are that are lofty enough that 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 they stretch us, but not too high that they break us? But if we if we make the goals too low in life, then then we're just perpetuating our laziness because we're not actually growing in the midst of them. Do we find that sweet spot of having things that we want to attain in life that stretch us and make us vulnerable and courageous at the same time? And, and then the other things kind of fall into place underneath that. We just have a couple min- uh, couple minutes left here, Dr. Sakasa. I do want to give uh, give you the opportunity to plug the conference you are talking about on Saturday, March 14th, this Catholic Men's Conference in Rapid City. Yeah, so, so I've, I'm grateful to, to be joining the guys there. This is my first time in South Dakota, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to visiting the great state and, uh, and being there. So the conference is called uh, Behold the Man. And it's a Catholic men's conference at the Terra Sancta Retreat Center. Uh, and it will be Saturday, March 14th. And throughout the, it'll be a, a gathering of men throughout the diocese and some other dioceses. If we have listeners that, that are coming that want to join us, please come, come and spend the day with us. And it'll be a day of, of, of lectures and, and engagement, but, it, but really a day of prayer. Because everything that we're talking about, like we, we need community, we need, we need brotherhood. You know, we can't. Anybody who's a self-made man, you know, isn't isn't living as virtually as they can because we got to lean into one another, and so that sense of brotherhood and camaraderie, I think that we want to start fostering, and I think a, a conference like this is a wonderful opportunity to kick off some of these things. So yeah, we're going to have some great talks, but we're going to have some awesome time in prayer and some amazing time in fellowship as well uh, to really start start building brotherhood within the diocese. For more information, you can visit terrasancta.org. That's terrasancta.org for this event, Saturday, March 14th. Uh, Dr. Sacasa, thank you for being with us this morning. You're so welcome. Thank you guys for the opportunity to, to share this time with you. Yeah, and just uh, one last reminder, too, on the cost. It's only $40 and includes the conference breakfast and lunch. So very, very affordable and very much worth your time. So there's food, guys. Food. Food. There we go. I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's All right. Up, <laughs> yes, exactly. Up next, we'll sit down with Sister Margaret Mary from here at Carmel of Mary Monastery to hear more about her call to this way of life. And later, we'll celebrate a mission of love that is changing the lives of many children in one special place. There's plenty more Real Presence Live to come, so stay with us. We'll be back in a couple minutes. 
live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 